The message you're about listening to is from Pastor E.A. Adeboe, the General Overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. And at the same time, he could go to a home, a very wealthy home, and pick somebody there and say, this is the fellow I'm going to use. When you read 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, you hear the story of Elisha. He was from a very worthy home. He chose somebody from a worthy home to succeed the son of a nobody. Because he's God. I mean, he does as he pleases in the course of heaven. He could choose an ignorant fisherman like Peter. He killed him so mightily that his shadow will begin to heal. Or he could take a professor like Saul of Tarsus. He killed him so mightily that his handkerchief will be casting out demons. In other words, he could choose you. Yeah. I say he could choose you. Yeah. Somewhere in between, you'll be there. Either maybe your father is unknown like my father, or your father is the richest man in Lagos. If that is the case, please send some money to me so we can do the work of God. Um, you may be a professor, you, you might even be 80 years old now, you can still say, don't worry, you are not dead yet. Moses began his ministry at the age of 80. And Samuel began his ministry when he didn't even know who was calling him. In other words, somewhere in between, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your qualification, God might be talking to you tonight. Now, there is something important that you need to note here, and that is this. Whenever God makes a plan, he finds a man and he says, this fellow will be suitable. But as soon as he's saying this fellow will be suitable, immediately he provides himself with a substitute. <laughs> because he knows human beings. They are very dangerous. They are very unreliable. They could fail. And if human beings decide to fail, the plan of God will not fail. So God always, always, always provides himself with a substitute. The Bible is full of examples. He said to Moses, Moses, you will go and deliver these people from Egypt. You will bring them to me here in the promised land and they will worship me here. Oh, Moses did very well. For 40 years, he did an excellent job. Better at a stage, he allowed that which was inherent in him to obstruct the plan. God said, take a look. There's a promised land over there that you won't enter. But even as Moses was dying, Joshua was already waiting. Samuel versus Eli. Eli, God has said to Eli, your family will stand before me forever. But then he got to a stage where Eli began to fail God and his children were sons of Belial. God said, no, no problem. I will always get me a priest. And brushed Eli's family aside and raised up the family of Samuel. And on and on and on like that. You know, you know, the Bible is full of examples. And then, of course, there is that classical example 
that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. When God spoke to Samuel and said, For how long are you going to grieve over King Saul, seeing that I've already rejected him from being king? Fill your horn with oil. I've already provided me with another king. In other words, my brother and my sister, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose that he wants you to fulfill. And that's why he brought you particularly into the University of Lagos, because this is, this is not an ordinary university, believe me honestly. I mean, this university is not only great in the production of academicians, <laughs> this is the same university that produced Reverend Kumui and uh, several other great men of God. This, this university is special. So God brought you here for a special purpose. I mean, just take a look around. You see, this university produced W. Kumuyi, W. F. Kumuyi, Reverend Lukoya, and several others. And maybe my little self, too. I came here. I came from here. So when God brought you here, it is for a purpose. He, 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 you, you are not here by accident. Whether you are a lecturer or you are a student, you are not here by accident. As a matter of fact, before you were born, God had arranged this day that you will be here to hear what you are hearing. Now, if you fail him, he has a substitute waiting. Always. He always provides himself with a substitute. Now, the danger in failing him is too great. Just thinking of it is frightening. Take this King Saul fellow that we are talking about. Oh, he was, well, they mentioned the name of his father because his father was not too bad. And when this young boy was taller than everybody, he was a tall, lanky man, was the tallest in the whole of Israel. When they said they were going to make him king, he said, me? How can I be king? The Bible said he went to hide himself. They have to search for him before they found him. And they say, oh, okay, now you become king. Yeah. Then he became king, and he forgot the one who made him king. He became king and forgot the king of kings. And God provided himself with a substitute. Now, if God just provided himself with a substitute and left King Saul alone, that would have been good enough. Or were terrible enough, maybe you will say. But you see, God never does that. Anytime somebody fails him, he still finds a use for the fellow. Every time somebody fails him, he becomes an example of what happens to those who fail him. May you never fail God. I mean, those of us who came from the village... Those of us who remember those days when the farmer grew everything that he needed. The only thing the farmer bought in those days was salt. The plate we use for eating is made from uh, a particular kind of plant we call the gourd or something. 
carve it out and put the food there and, and it used to be very delicious before they brought in plastic and all this thing. Once in a while, that fragile plate will break. When it does, we don't throw it away. We begin to use it to carry dust. When we sweep in the, sweep the, 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 the floor of the hut, we, we still have a use for that thing. Anyone who faces God will become an example to others. God will say, look at that fellow. Make sure you don't fall into the same mistake that he fell into. Because if you do, this is what will happen. In the case of King Saul, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13 to 14. Let me read that one to you. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I told you this is not one of those sermons where you will shout. But I'm not sure you will forget it either. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that is David, in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. The equipment that God gave to Saul so that he can be king, the spirit of the Lord that came upon him when Samuel anointed him king the first time so that he began to prophesy. The moment God chose a substitute, that spirit lifted from King Saul, came on David, and because nature does not allow for a vacuum, the Almighty God said, well, there used to be a spirit living inside this fellow, which is the spirit of God, now that that spirit is gone, let's, let the place not be empty. And then an evil spirit came, sent from the Lord. And for the rest of King Saul's life, he was a madman. I pray that that will never happen to you. If you succeed in the assignment God has for you, if you do what he planned for you to do, if you don't get your education and think that the education is to be used against God who gave you the education, if you fulfill your purpose on earth, the Almighty God will reward you in this world. And when it is time for you to leave this world, you will live gloriously. Oh, a classical example is found in the story of Elijah that I mentioned earlier on. Elijah, the Tishbite, this unknown fellow, was created for a purpose. God raised him up at a time when the whole nation was gone after idols. Nobody wanted to mention the name of Jehovah anymore. They were all after Baal. And the Almighty God said, I need a man, a tough man. A man who would dare the devil. A man who is ready to face any persecution because of an incurable love for Jehovah. And God said, I think I know the kind of person who will do this fellow. I'm sure that's one of the reasons why God didn't tell us the name of his father or mother. They must have been some rough and hardy kind of people. God brought this fellow out. 
gave him an assignment that brought a revival back to the nation of Israel. Everybody fell on their faces and said, Jehovah, he is God. When Elijah finished his assignment and it was time for him to go home, you know the story. The Almighty God sent his private chariot to go and bring him home. He, he did not even allow him to taste death. You find that one in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. When you do what God asks you to do, and you do it correctly, and you do it successfully, he will glorify you here on earth, and when it's time to go, you will go gloriously. And that brings us to the crucial question. Now, I mean, I'm already concluding. <laughs> Those of you who know me, you know I don't preach a long sermon. I wasn't trained to. I was trained as a mathematician. And all we say in mathematics, S plus Y equals Z, QED. And we finished. <laughs> if you see, expecting something longer. Uh, it is when you get home and now you begin to think, what is X? What is Y? What is Z? And you find that one equation can fill a book. If you are going to succeed in the assignment, whatever that assignment is that God has given you, maybe God wants to use you to bring revival to your village. Maybe the Almighty God wants to use you to put an end to every rotten thing happening in the university system. Maybe God wants to use you to bring Nigeria back to God. Maybe God even has got a bigger plan for you. Who can tell? Somebody like you might become someone that the Almighty God will use for the whole of Africa. Who can tell? Someone like you can become somebody who will bring revival to the whole world. I don't know. He knows. I may have told this story before. The first time I found myself in, in a white man's land, and uh, I sat at the table, and a white man in, in an hotel, and a white man was serving me. I wish there was a cameraman. <laughs> Somebody will video this thing. Because when I get to my village and I tell them, they won't believe me. You, the son of Adebo, we know your father. How can I, how can I know Ibo man begin to serve you? I wish somebody would be there to take the picture. Today, by the grace of God, things have gone beyond that. And uh, who knows Adebo? Some of you don't even know. I've said it before, you don't even know where my village is. And you never can tell. Somebody might be here today that presidents of the whole world before they take, take any decision, will still come to you and say, will you please check from the Lord for us? <laughs> to succeed in whatever assignment God has for you, there are at least two major things you must do. At least two major things. Number one, you must surrender to God and do it now. Now surrendering <laughs> means I will no longer do things the way I think, but I will do it the way he says. That's the meaning of surrendering to him. When you get home, read First Samuel chapter 13, from verse 7 to 14. First Samuel 13, verse 7 to 14. 
And you will see the story of this King Saul. What happened that he lost his kingdom? Samuel told him and said, I know you are going to fight a battle against the Philistines. I will come in seven days' time to offer a sacrifice to God before you go to war. And he said, yes, sir. Seven days came, and he waited. He didn't see Samuel at the time he thought that Samuel would arrive. So he said, well, sacrifice is a sacrifice. It doesn't matter who offers it. Get me a lamb. They gave him a lamb, and he offered a sacrifice to God. As soon as he finished, Samuel came. What have you done? Oh, well, I didn't see you in time. So I decided to offer a sacrifice to go. Ah. Samuel says, sorry. You've done foolishly. He said, from now on, your kingdom shall not stand. The first thing you must do, you must surrender to Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to give an altar call. I'm going to call on those of you who are still treating Jesus Christ as if he's just a friend. I know many of you love him. Otherwise, you won't be here tonight. I mean, the way you have been singing and shouting and dancing shows you love him. But to you, he's a friend. Now, he wants to be more than a friend. He wants to be your Lord. And the Lord is the one whose words you just must obey. The one who has the final say. Whatever he says, you do. You never say to the Lord, no. You never argue with him. The answer to the Lord is always, yes, Lord. <laughs> and I know, in my few years of working with him, that many a times he will say some things that are not reasonable by human definition of reason. But I've discovered that this country years ago in the 70s and um, in the 80s, we've gone to Shogbo to have it, we've gone to Ife to have it, we've gone to Elisha to have it, we've done it in Ibadan. And now I was preparing to take this program to Benin. I finished all the plans, I just said, well, let me check from my Lord if there are things I've forgotten. Lord, uh, is everything okay for Benin? And suddenly he spoke to me and said, no, you are not going to Benin, you are going to Ede. I said, I can't, Ede, why Ede? I mean, if anybody, Ede is only five minutes from Oshobo, not too many uh, miles or kilometers from Ife, and so on and so forth. If anybody in Ede wanted to hear the gospel, they should have come to those ones. He said, that's where you're going. Yes, Lord. And at that time, Ede's population was 95% Muslim. I got there because God said go there. And the king of, yeah, the king there, who happened to be an allergy, came to greet us. He mounted the pulpit. There were some people who, who thought I was foolish to give my microphone to him. But... Daddy said, let him talk. So I gave him the microphone. And suddenly he began to quote the Bible. He said, silver and gold have I known, but that which I have I give unto you. 
Ask and you shall be given. He said, I have no money to give you, but I have land. Ask for land. <laughs> Thank you, sir. After he left, I asked my people, how much land shall we ask for? Somebody said, five acres. And somebody said, we didn't ask him. He said, ask and you shall be given 50 acres. <laughs> Somebody got bolder and said, 100 acres. So finally, I said, I better go back to the one who said, go to a dead. This must be the reason he asked me to go to a dead. Daddy, how many acres should I ask for? And the Lord said, ask for 500 hectares. If I didn't know his voice, I won't write five. How can you write to, I mean, that's bigger than the town, he said. And that's what I wrote. And the day they delivered the letter, all his chiefs were present. He read the letter and thought we were crazy. And, uh, but one chief spoke up and said, you are the one who said, ask. And you shall be given. Uh, I have the certificate of occupancy with me now. Glory be to God forevermore. When you surrender to him, it becomes easy for him to begin to push you a little to the right, a little to the left, a little forward, apply a little break, so that you will land where he wants you to land, so that you'll be where he wants you to be at the time he wants you to be there, so that the purpose of God for your life could be fulfilled. Second thing you must do is that the surrender, because I know some of you will say, yes, thank God I'm already born again, so I've surrendered my life to Jesus. The surrender must be absolute. My Father in heaven does not deal with people who will obey him halfway. He will want you either to be his enemy completely or his friend completely. He said in his word, he said, I wish that you are either hot or cold. But if you are lukewarm, what will he say? What did he say I will do? And I spit you out of my mouth. Oh, there are many of us who say, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm born into a Christian home. My father is a Christian. My mother is a Christian. I go to church. The only thing is I'm not willing to go all the way and become born again. Yeah. If that is your decision up to this moment, change that decision so that your purpose in life might be fulfilled. Because when God gives you a purpose in life, chooses you for that purpose, he keeps you for that purpose, when you begin to go astray, he's a very patient God. He will try very hard in love to say, no, 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 don't go that way. This is where I want you to go. But a time will come when his patience will run out. Particularly when you become so big, so educated, that you are no longer willing to obey him all the way. After Saul did what he did, and God said, oh, your, uh, Samuel, <coughs> Samuel said, your kingdom won't start. Then Samuel went to God and said, please forgive him. You know, he's a young boy. He doesn't understand. Please have mercy. God said, all right, all right. We'll give him another opportunity. And the second opportunity came in 1 Samuel 15. 
You can read the whole story. God said, I remember what the Amalekites did. Now I want you to rise up. You are my weapon now. Because when the Amalekites did what they did, I promised them that one day, I, the God of vengeance, I will visit them. And maybe you don't know what the Amalekites did. The children of Israel were going to the promised land. They were just coming out of slavery. They were weak. They were tired. They had no weapons to defend themselves. And the Amalekites came from behind and attacked the old women, the children that were kept from behind. Before the children of Israel knew what was happening, they had done a lot of damage. And God said, I will revenge. One day, my people will be settled. They will be established. Then, I will come back and deal with you. So God said, King Saul, I've raised you up for this time. Now, go and deal with the Amalekites for me. I don't want to see any one of them left alive. <laughs> Everything that belongs to them, wipe it out so that there will be no memory. Because each time I look at them, I remember what they did to my people, and it gives me pain. So, wipe them out. King Saul said, yes, Lord. And then he went, killed some of the people left their king alive. He, he wanted to come home and say, can you see I captured a king? And then he saw some of the animals, some of the animals were weak and so on. He destroyed those ones, some that were very fat. He said, well, I mean, <laughs> this will be good food. Samuel came and said, ah, how are you? He said, oh, you are welcome. Blessed be your Lord. I have done everything my, your God asked me to do. And the prophet said, but what about the noise I'm hearing in your backyard. That sounds like sheep and goats. Oh, the people brought them to sacrifice them to God. Why do you use the universe? Please join us on this same station at this time for another wonderful experience as Pastor E.A. Adeboye exposes the deep mysteries in the Word of God.